0: The Holy Spirit, Christians confess every Sunday in the creed that they believe in him. But who is he? What is the role that the Holy Spirit plays in the Trinity, in the Church, in our lives? If you don't have a good answer to those questions, and even if you do, join us as we study through the book Holy Spirit in the People's Bible Teaching Series. We'll read this book together and then discuss it chapter by chapter. And all the while, our faith will grow, and so will our appreciation for the Holy Spirit and His role in our salvation. Join us in the discussion, and if you have a copy of the book, in growing from the reading of this book. Here's the next episode of our podcast. We hope that you benefit from our discussion on the Holy Spirit.
1: Welcome back, podcast listeners, glad to have you back for another episode of Most Certainly True Podcast. I'm Pastor Hockman, here with Pastor Huebner. Hey, Pastor Hockman, good to see you. Good to see
2: you also. Hello, podcast listeners, here we are with a podcast. This is amazing, a little technology, we can sit and chat, and then this gets uh, sent out and shared, and people just listen in on our crazy conversations. Yeah, it's a little creepy at first, right? A little spooky. They're going to hear us talk about whatever we want to talk about. Yeah,
1: I always who say, wants to do that. I always say thanks for tuning in, like someone's turning a dial and it's, <laughs> and, it's, and it's ending up on our yeah. podcast. Thanks for clicking the link. Yeah, and uh, were you a little kid when there screen? was a
2: radio dial in the car that you actually turned and it just yeah. you didn't punch in numbers and whatever you actually tuned in?
1: Yeah, you got to listen. Where's it going to be? Oh, just the clearest? Yeah, that's right. Or I,
2: crackle, crackle. I
1: remember uh, TVs that had the uh, uh, VHF <laughs> and UHF. Am I remembering the? Oh the, yeah, um,
2: sure. Yeah, they two do.
1: different dials. Like, yeah. why is it dial one through or two through, like <laughs> nine on the top, and then the other ones? And just is. Stop asking questions. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and your own kids would that would be not not oh, no. Oh no, my goodness! Are you kidding? They would have no clue. Yeah.
1: What did we had a we had one of those recently? Was it a phone booth? They saw a phone booth someplace and yeah, just... Not, yeah, just a public phone. Fo- yeah. They yeah. were floored at like yeah. what and why and...
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the public phone, the bank of phones in the hotel lobby or in the yeah. airport or whatever. Remember, Remember checking for quarters
1: in the oh, uh, coin return?
2: Oh, yeah. You'd find a nickel <laughs> or a dime once in a while and that was big fun. That was... That was oh,
1: a- that's what it was. Um, Someone... There was some reference to you could make a collect call to such and such. And my kids didn't know. Like, hold on, what? You could call and make someone else pay for it? Like, how How does that work? And like, oh my goodness. My I'm not sure if I early, have even made a collect yeah, call before.
2: In my early dating years, I met the seminary, and, but I didn't have all the changes to load the payphone. Yeah. And we didn't have a phone in our room where there were no cell phones, so you had to use the. There was a phone booth actually in the seminary basement. There was you could close, slide the door <laughs> get a little shut privacy. and sit in there and get <laughs> a little privacy, right? You could, but if you wanted to dial out, so but you could call collect. So I would just monthly reimburse her father. He would send okay. me the bill. This is what the long distance charges and collect was more expensive, right? So we would have to kind of guard our time on the telephone because I knew that would be a you know yep. cost something and long distance calls if you're in a landline back in the day you paid for yeah anything out they, of your area code right and collect calls were even more expensive
1: right do you remember the commercial where the guy was too cheap to to put the quarter in and we had a baby it's a boy was the who's calling collect we had a baby it's a boy <laughs> <laughs> and then they, then they refuse the call. You don't have to pay you for don't it. Have to pay for but it, you yeah. got your message that across. That was actually
2: used. I mean, people would do that, you know, so you could figure out who's calling. Who's calling, please? You know, and then. <laughs> we had a baby It's a Boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, everybody has seen it, and people laugh about trying to put some younger people into a rotary phone situation and tell them to use it to dial a number. They don't even know it's a phone, they don't no. know where to start. I've seen, is that a game show?
1: Where they will will put things like a Polaroid camera. In oh front. yeah! Like you you pull over you pull off the whatever's covering it, and then they you race each other to try to get the thing to do its function. Like, yeah. Step one: figure out what this is. Step two: Yeah. Where's the button that makes it happen? <laughs> it can be pretty comical.
2: <laughs> yeah. It just seems like ancient history. But... <laughs> Ancient history. There you are. Chapter 3 is on. Well, it's ancient, ancient history. history. Well, look at that transition, <laughs> aren't you clever. Going back to the beginning of yeah, uh time, as ancient right? as can be. Yeah, the spirit was active at creation. That, you know, that is an interesting thought though, already in verse 2, right? The spirit hovering over the raw material that God designed. A lot of people forget that. Yeah. As with by the way, the activity of God the Son. Now I know And our podcast listeners who are Bible readers, of course, they all know this, too. But the New Testament specifically talks about God the Son involved in creation. John's Gospel in the beginning was the Word, capital W. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And then the statement is made. Without him, nothing Nothing was made made that has has been made. made, Right? And you have Colossians 1, where the eternal Son of God, our Lord Jesus, identifying as active in creation— But that the Spirit actually was also active is not only stated, but the Son shows up in Genesis 1, if you think about it, because John chapter 1 identifies him with that unique title, he is the Word, capital W. Well, in chapter 1 of Genesis, look at the beginning of verse 3, verse 6, verse 9, verse 14, verse 20, verse 24, "And and God said, and God said, and God said, and God said, and God said. He creates the universe with his word. And the word, capital W, is wrapped into our thoughts about that. And, oh, you can see all three persons already in Genesis chapter 1. It's explicitly stated about the Spirit. And I think that's pretty cool if we're talking here in this book and then this chapter.
1: Yeah, we talked about that a little bit in chapter 1, that from the beginning, this is our triune God who's active. It's not... Read a bunch of chapters, and then, oh, by the way, have I told you who <laughs> I am? Uh, no, we, we, we yeah. meet our God doing his creative work. As, from as the you beginning. might
2: expect, then, and I'm grateful for the way the author does this, that he then tracks through from creation account the Old Testament history and then the activity of the Spirit from the time of Moses and the time of the Judges, which is that time after the israelites conquered the land for about 300 years before the first kings are on board and he lists some of those either lesser known or more famous judges and the spirit active in that you don't often think about that that he's behind the activity of samson
1: yeah it's easy maybe to to gloss over that statement the spirit of god was on him or the spirit entered his heart or yeah okay okay that's another way of saying he was faithful, or or he was a believer,
2: and or God is behind and, him. And or it's whatever.
1: easy to, right. in your mind, disassociate that from. No, that's the Holy Spirit. Yeah, this is working. talking about the Holy Spirit working <laughs> through the message of salvation to create or strengthen faith in a person's heart. It's really cool. Um, so, and then to have it have it cataloged and have them all put. Yeah, there uh here in this chapter 3 I thought was really helpful and, like and a good reminder uh-huh. that the spirit's active um from the beginning including the old testament.
2: Yeah. The triune God backwards and forwards in time and in time once creation is setting such things as space and time, we can see the spirit's activity and from that um judges during the time of the kings with even I like I want to go back one. to Moses we going to go uh, back to,
1: yeah. Bezalel. Bezalel. Bezalel, um, yeah. I thought that was interesting. I'm glad he brought that up because I never would have come up with that on my own. But the Spirit mm-hmm. is the one who gave them the creative juices <laughs> and the power and the yeah. knowledge and the skills to be able to design the
2: tabernacle. At the and, end of and, Exodus, these all, all these put, directions. To
1: put all that stuff together. Yeah. So it's not actually gospel ministry, but the, well, but yeah. it's got a role in gospel ministry because God was going to teach His people things through the artistry and through the exactly. quality, and he obviously wanted the the place where He would be worshipped to right um, be just so. And so you can see that the Spirit working not necessarily through the gospel, but working them to in a through putting them people. in a position and the things that they're going to create in the position to be able to do yeah. that gospel work.
2: Yeah, Bezalel and Ahohaiab are the two craftsmen that are pegged to do most of this work and shaping up the furniture and the tent and stuff like that in the latter chapters of exodus is really an amazing thing but do I, I like that too
1: do we have any i'm not recalling in scripture like where they got the materials for the tabernacle
2: a lot Did of that they? would have come out of egypt
1: okay so things that they brought mm-hmm. with them as mm-hmm. in the plunder at the if end if
2: you remember when they escaped you know they had the egyptian people saying get out and take my stuff take my good stuff Go. right Right. They plundered so the Egyptians. Take my sure.
1: manatee skins. Oh yeah. Where do you think they got all these
2: <laughs> yeah, all the skins and coverings for the tent and all that gold? That that came from the gold
1: Egyptians. the jewelry I've always that yeah, figured yeah. that part out right. and then unfortunately some of that becomes half, yeah, like
2: right? <laughs> because the trip from Egypt to Sinai is about three months. And then you know, after a year and everything, they're going to take off. And now you got the you're putting the tent together. So it's not like they went out and you know slaughtered all these animals and they got sea cows and everything. You know,
1: that'd be difficult to find seals, in the desert, <laughs> right?
2: Or manatees or whatever you want. And you know that that would have been taken with them from Egypt.
1: And probably some of those things yeah. that are rarer would have been, yeah things of value.
2: Well, and then even like the priest's clothes are described too, you know, from the blue robe that's floor length to the apron he wore over at the ephod, ephod, you know, and then that's got the four threads and a lot of that stuff, all that material would have had to come from Egypt. Bezalel and Holiah working their craftsmanship. You wonder how they got their training. Yeah. Or is it just the spirit giving them the miraculous ability to shape Hey, guess what These I winged could do. <laughs> angels, yeah, yeah. So um I would imagine that they would have been craftsmen who had honed their skills somehow. But you you know, as a kid, I'm thinking, well, they're all busy building pyramids or storehouses or whatever the pharaohs' henchmen are making them build as I, slaves. You know,
1: I suppose before the day that you can go to a Kohl's department store, everyone yeah. had to be a little bit crafty, right? Yeah, you had to know turn how things to do. into clothes. And yeah. Uh, perhaps they had a particular skill in that, yeah, in that arena.
2: But it is it is a neat connection, and I'm glad you tracked back into that. i didn't want to go to. And then there
1: was another one like that uh, in the time of the judges, where the spirit is given credit for something that's not necessarily gospel ministry. Samson, yeah. the spirit is the one who gives Samson the power um, to carry out his acts, which we know are. Judgment upon the enemies of God. Right,
2: it's gospel ministry and in the sense that it's rescuing and saving God's he's people. He's doing
1: his work as the deliverer, as the judge.
2: Right, right. To,
1: to be the leader and to, to be the rescuer yeah,
2: yeah. for his people. But You don't normally associate that activity of Samson with the Spirit's work, but it was kind of neat to have that highlighted here in this yeah. chapter, so I appreciate that too. And then... Are you ready as we page along here then from the time of the kings? And you can certainly see that in King David. You know, what what is um, fascinating here, though, too, is not just that the Spirit is active in the David being anointed as king and everything, but, you know, throughout his work, uh, David, with being the author of many of the Psalms, the Spirit of the Lord spoke through me he says in Second Samuel, that's mentioned in this book. But just think about that, of the 150 Psalms, you know, 73 we know were Davidic. So it's like half of the Psalms, there are probably some others that aren't in the superscription, the little paragraph. They're not
1: labeled, but they probably are
2: yep. Davids. So, you know, that that is a remarkable work of the Spirit, too, because one of the things that if it doesn't come out in the book as we go through chapter by chapter, it certainly is something we can mention in this podcast, because it fits with comments about the Spirit and David, that wherever the Holy Spirit is working, the Word of God is working. Wherever the Word of God is proclaimed, the Spirit is working. They are inseparable. And that is certainly obvious in the life and work of King David when he's used as an author, Inspired author of the Holy Scriptures of the Psalms, so um, I thought that was a as a that also reminds me of another Old Testament spirit reference. I didn't catch it in this chapter because he's going to move through the history of Israel and the use, of course, of prophets, which is he to blows the point through the of the centuries pretty quickly. Well, and <laughs> but it's to the point of the spirit working through the word. You know that right. that is that section here in this. Chapter about spoke through the prophets, which is creedal language, right? Don't Who we use that nice creedal, the Nicene creed has spoken through the prophets? Yeah. Right. So that's um, that's that's a neat subheading in this chapter and a reminder of the creedal phrase because the Spirit works, and when He's working, the Word of God is working. When the Word of God is proclaimed, the Spirit is working through. So that, to my earlier comment, is proven also and underscored in this part of the chapter. The thing that I was thinking about that's an interesting one about Old Testament is another demonstration of the doctrine of the Trinity and a whole other image or set of images, imagery, that is beautifully linking the doctrine of the Trinity with the Spirit's work and that of God the Son. So we often refer to, and this is New Testament language, of the coming and now the arrived Messiah, right? Or he is the Christ. He's called Jesus Christ. He's called Christ Jesus. Jesus, his name, Christ, a title. Well, whether you say it in Hebrew, Messiah, or say it in Greek, Christos, it means the same thing. What does that mean? He's the anointed one. And that's a, that's a very unique, title to give to our Savior, anointed one. Well, well, they would have anointing ceremonies for prophets, priests, and kings in the Old Testament where you pour oil on a person's head, indicating God pouring out his blessings, setting that person apart for special service as a prophet, priest, or king. Jesus is anointed by the Spirit at his baptism. Not just water, but we have the Spirit in the form of a dove, set apart and with the blessings of the Spirit and all of God's blessings poured out, anointed to be the great prophet, priest, and king. And in this chapter, I thought he might mention it, but maybe I didn't catch it. But there is a cool reference to just that in Psalm 45, which is a messianic psalm about the coming anointed one, the coming Christ, the coming Jesus, coming Savior. In that psalm, there is a line about the Trinity where God, this is the Father, speaking to God the Son, that God will set you apart above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. I think it's verse 7, if I'm not mistaken, in Psalm 45, but... I can see it in my Bible where it is, but you know that is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But this business of God the Son being addressed by God the Father, and that you will be anointed, you are the Messiah, the anoint, the one who is to be anointed, set apart as prophet, priest, and king. You'll be anointed with the oil of joy, and that is a reference, I believe, to the Holy Spirit. So then you go to His baptism and see the dove, and you go to other passages in Scripture and. So to have a Trinitarian reference in uh, Psalm 45 with this business of the oil of joy, anointed by the oil of joy, is another aspect of the Spirit's work that we should not downplay. It's predicted in the Psalms, and then it played out in Jesus' ministry. His baptism is his inauguration, his anointing into public ministry, anointed by the Spirit. Yeah. I,
1: I like, bet we I like get to talk week. about that next week too. Yeah, in the new Testament. in the New Testament yeah, chapter. I hope so. But yeah,
2: we'll find out. Well, I'd be shocked if we didn't. <laughs> well, there you are. So maybe we're we're a little spoiler alert here. It's and, all good. But you can uh, never talk too much about Jesus. Well, practices. that's right. We'll read ahead. But um, so I I really appreciate what he's doing. And then of course this business he's got in this chapter about wonders to come, where you know he's doing these messianic references. So that's where I was looking to see if he had that Psalm 45 reference, and I didn't see that right there. But at any rate, that doesn't mean the author is missing, is uh, skipping it. It's just one he chose not to include.
1: He cites the uh, Isaiah 11 passage, which he did talk about last chapter too. But um, this would be a good place where we could maybe um, use the example of capital S or little s. Um he mm-hmm. he spoke about that in the last chapter that there's two different ways to take this. Either the spirit capital S is the Holy Spirit of wisdom, or if the if the S is little, then it's the Messiah who will have right. a wise spirit and an understanding spirit and
2: but doctrinally you um, come up the same, right? Right. Either I, the spirit is yeah. those
1: things or he gives them to the Messiah. Right. Uh, uh, either way.
2: Yeah. And you've heard of the sevenfold gifts of the Spirit. Yes. I mean, we've talked that way, right? But if you do the count, right, in Isaiah chapter 11, you start with Lord, Spirit of the Lord, one, and then wisdom, understanding, counsel, pro- power, knowledge, and fear of the Lord. That's seven. That's the sevenfold gift of the Spirit. So we talk about the Spirit in his sevenfold Gift that's not unusual, and seven being the number for God in the Old Testament and His love for people. His interacting it's just a with real, mankind. Which this is, is all right is all yeah, about. That's right, so. and it's a messianic passage, and the Holy Spirit's involved, and the sevenfold Spirit, and God's special number. The, the doctrine of the Trinity again is just bleeding here through, and just clearly up in our face, and that's in our hearts too, and that's just fantastic. I think that's one of those neat passages. But that's where we get that kind of language. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. And, you know, there's other references he has, too, about in this part of the chapter about how the Spirit is breathing into the writers and looking forward. That Joel passage that he references on page 41 is one of the more fascinating ones in the book of Joel and in the Old Testament because Joel there has prophetic perspective and he's looking under the Spirit's direction ahead and he sees both Pentecost and Judgment Day at the same time. For From Joel's view, they're concurrent. It's like looking at a mountain range. I always use this analogy when you're driving west through Colorado or whatever, and you get to see the mountain range of the Rockies. They all look flat, but you got to get up in them to realize there are peaks to your west and back to your east. You're between them. We live in between the mountain peak of Pentecost and Judgment Day, but Joel sees them all as one, and the Spirit breathes into him this cool message in Chapter 2 of Joel's book, and he sees that all wrapped into one. The Apostle Peter quotes that then in his Pentecost sermon, uh, which is another activity of the Holy Spirit, and it's uh, beautifully beautifully wrapped together in a package. Scripture is a unit. And to see that brought out here, I think, was really a good job by the author.
1: Yeah. I like that the last chapter I thought was the best. Just the that, last paragraph you mean. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, yes, the yeah, last yeah. paragraph of the chapter. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, it's a great, great summer. The reminder that don't downplay the Old Testament as being a book <laughs> that's about the Holy Spirit because he plays an active role there. Yeah, like With, as whether as if you, you identify that or not. Like you don't find him no. until
2: the New Testament. No, it's very much so. It's and, easy to
1: see Pentecost and yeah. Jesus baptism and some of these Holy Spirit stories as being right. New Testament and. It's the same
2: thing about people saying, well, the Old Testament's all bad news or law. The New Testament's all good news or gospel. Well, there's plenty of law in the New Testament. There's plenty of gospel in the Old Testament. The doctrine of the Trinity is a New Testament thing. And no, there's doctrine of the Trinity and the Holy Spirit work very clearly in the Old Testament. So I really appreciated this chapter
1: and enjoyed it. And to watch for that as you read through the Old Testament, to watch for the the activity of the Spirit and to, to gain those comforts that... Uh, we know the Holy Spirit's active in our lives, working through through the gospel, through the, the word of God, yeah. uh, just as he has been from the beginning.
2: Yep. And we not only know that the scripture says that, but we also know this, that this is, is most, most certainly true. true.
0: Thanks for listening. We'd love to share more about God's love with you check us out at www.gracedowntown.org. There you'll find worship times, our pastor's contact info, and a lot more about our ministry in and to downtown Milwaukee. We hope to connect you to the grace of God again sometime soon.